Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. One-hit wonders. They're everywhere, aren't they? I mean, you see them in sports. You see them all over the place. One-hit wonders. They're everywhere. Some of us are spiritual one-hit wonders. I mean, really, some of us are spiritual one-hit wonders. And this text in John 15 gives us an idea of what would it look like if we were to go beyond a one-hit wonder? What would happen if we were to go beyond that? You know, sports has them. Uh, And, you know, we see him like the name I always think of is Levon Hernandez. You remember him? He just destroyed the Braves several years ago, and then he kind of fell off the planet. Nobody knew what happened. Michael Chang in tennis won one uh, one major, and then he was done. I mean, you think of all kind of one-hit wonders. I think a lot of people could say that about Joe Namath. You know, he had had Super Bowl three, and it was done. But there there are a lot of one-hit wonders. How many of you remember who did the song Wipeout? Who was it? Shout it. No, it wasn't the Beach Boys. Good night. They're not nearly cool enough to do Wipeout. Are you kidding? Who did Wipeout? The Safaris. Come on. Come on, you know. All right. Let me give you another one. All right. Who sang Harper Valley PTA? Yeah, very good. Very good. It's Jeannie Riley, actually, but that's okay. You, you said it with conviction. Uh, who sang the night, the night the Lights Went Out in Georgia? No, it's not Charlie Daniels Band. You haven't got one right yet, dude. But I'll, I'll give you credit. You're saying it like you mean it. Yeah. Vicki Lawrence. Vicki Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know what happens in our life is sometimes we hit a, uh, we hit a plateau. We make a, a major decision in our life and we get on the right track and we stay there for a season and then we're gone. In church life, you see it all the time. You see somebody who, is, who maybe uh, they came and they gave their life to Christ and chose to follow the Jesus way and walk his path, and they're good for, they're good for about five months. Then at about six months, it's like, okay, we, I'm, I'm growing bored, I'm moving on. And here's what happens in that. I don't believe that most of us leave working and living and, 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 and breathing in, in the path of walking with Jesus. I think many of us don't make it a priority in our life. And in that lack of prioritization, we miss all that he's trying to do in our life. And so what happens is we literally just take a different path. We kind of miss. Like when Benj and I head out on the AT, one of the things you got to do, you got to stay on the path. You don't want to wander, right? You just, like they said that there are more bear attacks in the Georgia section of the Appalachian Trail than any of the others put together. And when they were telling me and Benj that, he, I had a, a little bit of fear and he is laughing up a storm. And I thought, what does he know that I don't know? And he said, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just got to outrun you. <laughs> what a great friend. But in John 15, here's what Jesus says. Jesus is talking and he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are, such branches are picked up thrown into the fire, and burned. And if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Then skip down to verse 16, where Jesus continues, and he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Bobby talked last week about we have to show up and do 
the work. And what I would say to most of us is we forget that somewhere in here that, that God has called us to be fruit-bearing people. Now, we, we, if, if you're not kind of all in the church scene, you really haven't been about Bible discipleship or, or growing up to understand kind of the, the Bible and its existence and its purpose, we, we hear the term fruit that remains, and it sounds a lot like a preacher term. But what it really means is as, as your life is going about, as you're moving forward every day, as you change paths and you head in another direction, everywhere you're, you're going, what is it that you're leaving behind you in your path? Are you leaving good fruit behind or are you leaving that kind of fruit that when you bought it in the grocery store, you thought, this is my time to get healthy because you were full when you bought it. But then when you got home and you were hungry, you went for the zingers and you went for the ding-dongs and you let that fruit sit there. And then you come home one day and you got kind of this funky scent coming from the kitchen and little fruit flies all around because the fruit's bad right? Are you with me? Oftentimes in our life, what happens in our spiritual walk, what happens in our walk, trying to live for, live in the presence and the power of Jesus, what happens is we stop leaving fruit. We stop leaving a path where there you can see. Now, that's a person that is walking and living in the power and the presence of Jesus. For many of us, what happens in our life is we, we simply are distracted by everything else the world offers. There are people in this room who probably gave their life to Jesus 30, 40, 50, 20, 10, five years ago, and somehow for a short season, you were all about trying to live for God, trying to live for Jesus, trying to figure out how you'd walk and live in the power and the presence of Jesus. And yet in the middle of all that, what happened was this thought that, wait a minute, I I don't have time or room for that because I didn't see the immediate change happen in my life. And so you just bailed out. And what happens in that is we have churches, including this one, that might be filled with people who for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, they never grew up and developed more than what they are right now. Have you ever watched like a grown man, like at 40, 45 years old, and he's hanging out with a bunch of teenagers and he tries to act like them? You ever seen that? And you know what's one of the silliest things to look at is a grown man trying to act like a teenager. And you all kind of get in your car and you know what you think? Man, that dude, somebody ought to love him enough to say, don't do that anymore, right? But, but I believe what happens is as we mature to become more like Christ, we find some amazing things. Look back in the text for me because bearing fruit is healthy, wealthy, and wise to our life. You see, the fruit that we produce as followers of Jesus, it won't fade away. Scripture says that his word, the word of God, when it is out there, it never returns void. It always accomplishes the purpose for which he sent it. And one of those is this, John 15. What does he say? Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branch. Now, when I was a kid, my granddad had a, a not a huge, but he had a sizable peach orchard. And when, when Pop would go out there, he would prune those trees back in the winter. And my job was to gather up all those sticks. And we would, we'd have a massive bonfire. And, you know, we'd roast stuff on it and have fun with it. And it was a great fun night. But it was a lot of work originally. And part of the work behind it was watching Pop. Because when he decided to start pruning, man, he was a wild man. And he would prune those back. And I remember me and my dad looking at it and thinking, you know what, that, that tree is done. It is never going to have fruit again. And then ne the next year, you know what we found? Peaches everywhere. It was awesome. I mean, w I, could, I could eat my weight and then some in peach ice cream. You know the kind where you had to crank the thing? You know, your arm got so tired that the only thing that paid off was when you put it in your mouth, it was so much sugar you caught a buzz. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Peach trees needed to be pruned. So do we. 
There are seasons in our life we need to be pruned back because we've headed off in so many other shoots. We've got to get back to the main thing. But Jesus has a point here, and he's specifically talking about a vineyard. There's a vine here, and on that vine are branches, and off those branches are fruit, right? And what we know about a vine, we know that that, that, that vine is not what we prune back. We prune back the branches, And when you prune back the branches, what happens is it gives it an opportunity for it to grow more. But any person who's running a vineyard or any farmer would say to you, unless I work year-round, I'm not going to have a great harvest. Show me a farmer who takes two or three days a week off, then I'll show you somebody who doesn't believe his work is going to make a difference in his yield. Show me a farmer who constantly sleeps in and doesn't do the work. You'll see a farm that eventually will close down. Show me a farmer who doesn't take care of their business winter, spring, summer and fall, they'll forget that the harvest season is only for a season. But you've got to do the work the rest of the year to have the harvest. And so what Jesus says here is, I'm the vine. As long as you're connected to me, then there is life for you. I am the vine. As long as you remain in me and my word is in you, then what does he say? You can do anything. And so Jesus is making this point to a group of people who totally understand what it means from an agricultural perspective far more than we would. And Jesus is saying, you've got to stay attached to me because when you're not attached to me, the opposite happens. If you remain attached to me, you can do anything, which means that if you're not attached to me, you can do nothing. And so when you think about that, you say, hold on, I need to be attached to Jesus, but what in the world does that mean? Well, let me give you a few thoughts. Most of us think, okay, for me to be attached to Jesus, I need to go to church more. That is not it. For me to be attached to Jesus, I need to give more. Not it. For me to be attached to Jesus, I need to go to the group to Haiti. Not necessarily. Here's what I would say to you, and don't miss this. Oftentimes, when we get pruned back and we feel like we're in a season where I can't move forward, this is when we start wrapping our head and our hands around what's going on in our life, and we become total control freaks, believing that we can fix whatever in the middle of. What Jesus is saying to us is this. If you'll just rest in me, if you'll count on me, if you'll walk with me, if you'll trust me, if you'll get rid of all the religion that keeps you from me, Then, and only then, can you do all things. But now this is a big deal. Look back in Scripture. Here's what it says. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away, withered, and burned up. So what do we know about it? It's dead. Churches are filled with dead believers every week. Because the only thing that we did for our harvest, if you're a committed member at Sugar Hill Church, many of you would show up for one hour on Sunday morning about 30 times a year, put a check mark next to the God box and say, I'm good. And in the middle of that, your harvest is literally getting burned up on dead branches because the challenge is many of us believe, well, Chuck, you're the preacher. It's your job to mature me and disciple me and get me to grow up in Christ. Well, church, uh, Chuck, the church that you lead, that, that church should, should be discipling me and should grow me up. Listen, the church has a responsibility to make that available to you, but you have to own your own discipleship. Nobody can grow you up in Christ but you. This is not any different than trying to run a race. If you want to run a race, you don't sit on the sofa, you know, eating pistachios and Coke for 40 days and then walk out in a race and say, I'm going to kill it. What do you do? You die. In our case, 
I believe many of us just need to say, I'm going to take responsibility of my spiritual life for my spiritual development. I'm going to take charge of what, what I am supposed to do by remaining in Jesus. Now, I want to be clear here, all right? Most of us, again, know the religious part of this statement because most of us have been told by some preacher, some TV preacher, somebody who didn't know what they were talking about. We've heard a lot of people say to us, okay, if you're going to get your act together and the branch is going to remain attached to the vine, that means you've got to go to church more. Not so. That means I've got to give more. Not so. Well, that means I, I, I need to go on a mission trip. Not necessarily. You see, at the end of the day, if we're connected to the vine, what do we know about what has to be connected? Our life source has to be connected. What did Jesus come and say? I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Now, you could say, well, you know, that's the problem, Chuck. This Christianity thing, this, this, this attached to the, to the vine, this, this abiding in Jesus thing, it sounds pretty exclusive to me, and I kind of dig that whole thing about we're, we're, we're all going to get to heaven, we're just going up a path a different way. It sounds awfully exclusive. I don't know if I'm a part of an exclusive thing. You've missed the whole message. While it is exclusive because Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus is not saying that I've come to teach you the way. I've come to teach you the life, and I've come to teach you truth. He didn't say that. He said, I am. You see, the embodiment of everything we know to be the way is Jesus. Everything we know to be the truth is Jesus. Everything we know to be the way is Jesus. And so in him, it is clear. It is highly exclusive. If you want all that God has for you, if you want to be made right before God in your relationship with him, if you want heaven, you want to be able to live in abundance in this life, then yeah, it's absolutely exclusive. How do I do that? I trust in Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I, I abide. I rest in the power and the presence of Jesus because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. You say, but Chuck, what do I, how do I handle that when I get into a work situation and, and that somebody says, yeah, but we, we're all God's children. We're all going to wind up in the same place. Well, watch this. While it may be extraordinarily exclusive, it is even more inclusive because Jesus didn't put a requirement on you coming into that fold to receive that gift. He said anybody can. Anybody can say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want you. Jesus, I'm a mess. Clean me up. Forgive me my sin. Thanks for dying for me. Thanks for raising from the dead for me. He said there's no limit on that. A few weeks ago, we had Easter here. And what do we talk about? We talk about a, a thief hanging on the cross next to Jesus who said, I need you to remember me when you go to paradise. Dude could never go to Sunday school, never could be a part of a small group. Dude never walked an aisle. Dude never was in a baptistry. Dude never went on a mission trip. Dude never wrote a tithe check. Dude never faked it about what, he, what the Bible study he's doing, and it just happened to be John 3, 16 that day you asked. What did he say? Together, will you, will you take me today to paradise? What did Jesus say? Today you'll be with me in paradise. Let's go. You see, this is why we know that all we need in life is to abide and rest in Jesus. We have any hope that we're going to leave fruit that remains. We know that we know that we know that it's got to be in the presence and the power of Jesus. So much so that look down in verse 16. Jesus says, you didn't choose me. That's what Hector was saying at the beginning of the service today. Isn't it great that, that truly and wonderfully, it's, it's not that we went on a search for Jesus and on a quest for life and truth in the way. Jesus came looking for you. Jesus came for you. When you think about it, Jesus died on the cross, not at the hands of the Romans, not at the hands of the Jews. 
Jesus died on a cross, that's on us. It's our sin he came to forgive. And he said, this, this is the way. But look at this. You didn't choose Jesus. Jesus chose you. But listen to what he says. And appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Now watch this. So if you've checked out on me, come back right here, right? This is a big deal. Many of us have stopped growing. Many of us have stopped maturing. Many of us are one-hit wonders in our prayer life because we asked for one thing and it didn't happen in our time frame. And let me just stop and say to you, there's a word for that. Are you ready? Sin. Because you see, anytime you finish your prayer and you make this statement, in Jesus' name I pray, and then throw an amen on the back, sometimes we think that's the official way that you have to end a prayer. I mean, seriously, let me just stop and say to you, every time that you're praying, you are saying, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. And when you say that, what you're doing is you're saying, Jesus, all that I just asked about, all that I just asked for, I am willing, Jesus, for you to determine what the right what is, what the right when is, and what the right how is. Because then you're taking it off of you and you're putting it on him. This is what Jesus means by resting and abiding in the vine. Jesus is saying, if you'll let me in the perfect time, I'll do this will for you. If you'll allow me, I'll prosper you in this time. Health and wealth preachers all over the world today will be on television telling you that this is about financial gain. When they do, listen, look right here. If they do, they're lying. This is not a message on financial prosperity. This is a message on spiritual prosperity. This is a message on being at peace. This is a message that my soul is at rest. This is a message that says, Jesus, I trust you so much that I'm not just going to trust you for heaven. I'm going to trust you Tuesday at 2 o'clock when I walk in the boardroom. But you see, if we're just spiritual one-hit wonders, we don't believe Jesus can make a difference Tuesday at 2 we don't believe Jesus has come to walk into trouble with you, to carry you through deep waters. And so many of us just were just like, we can't do it. We're done with this. I can't do it anymore. And we forgot that, what did he say? I'm the vine, you're the branches. When you, when you abide in me, and that abide means to stay. When you stay with me, when I don't leave Jesus, when I don't lose this faith. So let, let me do for you what I did at 930, all right? Because I'm looking at people right now and uh, I got new glasses so I can see y'all again, which is really cool. And um, here's what happens. We say, okay, Chuck, I hear the abide in, but what, what does that really mean to me? I mean, let's face it, Chuck, tomorrow I got to show five properties. I, I, I got to get my kid to, to soccer practice in time. And my other kids got travel baseball and my husband is out of town or my wife is traveling for work and I got to juggle all this. When does this happen? Okay, you ready? Four quick things. Number one, answer who Jesus is to you today. Settle that answer. But if you're not writing these down, you're, you're going to miss it. You write these down. If you don't have anything to write them with, make sure you listen and grab them off the podcast, right? Settle who Jesus is to you today. Jenny and I, were, we were on this uh, cruise for, the, uh, for Samantha's spring break. I have finally graduated from proms and spring breaks. Hallelujah. We counted up last night. We had done 19 proms with six different daughters. Oh, my stars. 
So our last girl, last spring break, you know, we're doing a cruise. It's fun. So, but we're sitting across from this Jewish lady who's just sweet, as kind as she can be. And she's asking about what I do and our belief systems. And I, I look at her and I say, we, we are only one word apart. And she's like, what? I said, seriously, we are only one word apart. And of course, she's wanting to know what this deal is. And I said, the one word is, I believe he's my Messiah and you don't. She said, that's right. I, we, we still believe the Messiah is coming. I said, now watch this. Tell me what you believe in Jesus. Well, he was, he was a great teacher. He was a prophet. Uh, man, he was a rabbi. Okay, all that's good. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know what else I believe? I believe he came and gave his life for me, and he died, and he rose from the grave. And as a result, he's my Messiah. He came to me, and he gave me life, and he gave it to me in abundance here and eternally in heaven. And you know what? Here's the cool thing. I'm absolutely positively confident they're going to watch us online, and I believe this sweet lady at some point is going to say, Jesus, you're my Messiah. But you got to answer for you. Who is Jesus to you? Secondly, you got to determine, do I believe enough in Jesus to put him to work in my life tomorrow? This is the easy part. I mean, coming to church and doing the church thing, this is the easiest part to do. Because we, we can all look spiritual for an hour. We can, we can all play Jesus for an hour. You know, the question would be, when that dude cuts you off at 285 and because of him you might miss your flight now, where's Jesus then? And you see, this is where we get in trouble with the health and wealth gospel that would say, this is about abundance in your life, and this is about praying for parking space, and miraculously, you did it, and there was a $100 bill there to pay for Come on, people. This is about Jesus wanting to live in such an amazing way in your life that it changes everything, that it changes everything. Are you willing to put Jesus to work in your own life, which is, which is this? You know what he said? That when you abide in him and his word abides in you, then the Lord will hear you and give you what you ask for. But here's the key. What we have, a, we have, to, will, have to have a willingness to say, all right, I'm going to let the word of God saturate my life and I'm going to spend time in the word of God because what he says matters. Third thing, at some time, somehow, some way, when life beats you up and life isn't go, going the way you want and the answer to your prayer hasn't come on the time frame you have, you got to determine right now, it is then, most importantly, I'm going to abide in the vine. I'm not going to leave. I'm not going to give up because here's what we know. Let's go back to the prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. What most of us want to do is, okay, God, you're on the clock. Okay, God, it's like, it's like the NFL draft. You're on the clock. I asked. You got to deliver. But see, here's the problem. God is never going to get so small that he fits into our wristwatch or our time. God is so big that he is always about timing in your life and will provide for you in the greatest season, including using you in a season that's difficult. Do not believe the health and wealth crowd that would say you give your life to Christ and you're not going to have a problem. That's a lie. It rains on the righteous and the unrighteous. It rains on the just and the unjust. You know what that tells me? Life's full of problems. But if you're going to walk through the problem, why not have somebody who will carry you? And then finally, fourthly, you got to determine I'm going to live a disciplined spiritual life. I'm going to live a disciplined spiritual life. Now, I can't determine what that is for you. I can give you a few ideas, but most of us look at Christianity, look at faith through a religious set of lenses. We look at a religion that says, okay, I know what I got to do, Chuck. I know what I got to do. I got to go to church every week. And if I, even if I don't like it, I got to go to church every week. No, you don't. No, you really don't. You see, you ought to come to church because you have a disciplined life and you spend enough time with the Lord one-on-one -on -one through this week that when you got here, it's just an expression and an overflow of everything else you've done. 
So if you're coming here to get filled up, what I would say to you is, why didn't you just come here filled up? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you just come and be a part of this? And what I'd say to you is, listen, when you put these four things in the right order in your life and you get Jesus at the right priority, it becomes so easy to say, Lord, I'm going to attach me to you. And so what I think, what, what, what I read, what I listen to, how I act, how I react, what, well, the words that I put out there when I have anger, the words I want to withdraw when I'm at peace. When we put Jesus in the center of that decision-making grid of our life, then what happens is we're abiding, we're staying connected to the power source. Today, you get to choose what does Jesus mean to you today? So today, I just would say, why not say, Jesus, I need you? Jesus, I'm, I'm going to discipline my life to live with you. I, I want you to pour into me. Why don't you just tomorrow say, okay, you know what I'm going to do? I don't do that whole Bible or anything. I'm so busy. Just, just listen to a five-minute podcast. Just, just go to the app and hit five minutes. You just be encouraged in the Word of God. Chuck, I'm, I'm, going, to actually, I'm going to actually pray when, when I get home with, with my spouse. I'm going, to, I'm going to actually pray for my kids. I'm going to build spiritual disciplines in my life. And when, when life has beat me up, I'm going to cling even harder because I know he's got it. I'm not going to try to control it. I'm not going to try to fix it. I'm going to hold on to him. I'm going to let his lifeblood keep me and hold me. And guys, this is what it is to abide, to leave fruit that remains. Let's don't be a church that's a one-hit wonder. Let's don't be a people that are one-hit wonder. Let's don't, don't be families who are one-hit wonders. Let's be a people who would say, I'm all in. Jesus, I'm attaching my life to you, and I'm resting in you. Father, we're grateful. We're grateful that you, you thought enough to love us, to send your son to die for us and give us hope, give us joy. Lord, we're grateful for every person in this room that would say, I need Jesus, Chuck. I, need, I, I can't abide in him. I can't stay in him until I come to him. Lord, hear their prayers. They just offer up, I need you. Like a thief on the cross, Jesus, take me and forgive me. For folks that may have been Jesus followers for 50 years, but they haven't walked with Jesus for 40, for 20 or for 10, for five or for a month. Open up your arms as you always do and welcome your children back in. Thank you for loving us, for choosing us, for seeking after us. In the name of Jesus, our King, our Savior, and our Lord, we pray all these things. Amen, amen, and amen. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.